the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You've probably heard it said several times, God's a gentleman. He'll never invade or offend you and your free will. Well, today, the Apostle Paul deals with that in full measure. Let's take a look at Romans 9 next. comes to Romans chapter 9, verses 8 through 24, many folks bristle at this passage. We just don't like it. It strips us of any ability to come to God on our terms. That is precisely what the Apostle Paul is doing, reminding us that God is indeed sovereign over all that he has created, including you and I. It is a bristling passage. If it is a challenge to you, this statement, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, stick around. We're dealing with that passage today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, online at reformedheritage.org. Here's Gary and today's program. No one can ever say, well, God was never kind to me. He wasn't fair to me. Oh, yes, he was. He oftentimes gives unbelievers. He oftentimes gives vessels of wrath incredible wealth. And many live long lives. And some are very prosperous. Some of them make a billion dollars as easily as I can make a thousand dollars. And what, yet, what does the Lord do? The Lord endures with them. He forbears them. Why? Well, many reasons that are beyond the point of this sermon today but certainly to test our faith, certainly to encourage us to love our enemies. Are we turning the other cheek to those who hate us? But more than anything else, to remind us just how big God is, and we could not put him on a timetable, and that we are not accurate readers of even current events and the current movements of men, nations, and schools of thought. I know some people think they are, but no one is. No one is because we do not know how to formalize God's long-suffering, God's mercy, because he gives the church the opportunity to repent and believe the gospel, the opportunity to proclaim the gospel so that more unbelievers are brought in. God has all kinds of reasons. So we have to remember these things about God's sovereignty. It is big. It is way bigger than I can understand. God reveals his wrath. He reveals his power. And he endures with them with such long suffering. Which, by the way, should color our spirit toward unbelievers in general. And even if we knew, which we never will, we can't say, you're one of the reprobates. You're one of the vessels of wrath. And you're going to go to hell forever. Even if we knew that this person is, which we can never know, but if we did, we can still be kind, be merciful, be patient. Why? Because God is. 
We can't have so much separation that we look down our noses and have an elitist view or a cold-hearted feeling. No, we are supposed to be like our Father who causes rain to fall on the unjust and on the just and the rain to rise and feeds and clothes his enemies. Now the last phrase of verse 22 is very difficult. Many will actually walk away at this point. They'll say, I can't go this far. I don't want to learn this lesson. I don't want to hear of a God who would teach this lesson. He says, the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. The verb there can mean prepared for destruction. It is a perfect passive participle in Greek, which means it's not that the wicked are preparing themselves for judgment. It's that God is preparing them for this destruction, for their unbelief and for their wickedness. Now it is true, as in the case with Pharaoh, he hardened his own heart. And yet we also know that God was hardening his heart galore behind the scenes. So we can't simply say that with respect to the vessels of wrath, God just lets them go their own way and lets them pass by and withholds his grace. Oh, he does more than that. As we saw two sermons ago in Malachi 1, God actually judges, hardens, and prepares those whom he has appointed to destruction. Now, please understand this. They deserve it. Understand something else. You deserve it. All men deserve it. The only reason God doesn't treat all men in this fashion is because God has determined to show mercy upon some because he can do with the clay whatever he wants to do. And hearing this, we brothers and sisters should shake because we are totally at the mercy of God. Why did you ever hear the gospel? Why did your family hear the gospel? Why did God ordain you to be his? Why did God give you a new heart? You may witness to this guy at work and he's a nice guy or this woman that you may know, ladies, and she's really nice and sweet. She may be prettier than you. He may be stronger than you men, has more money than you, nicer than you. And you realize, man, at some level, this unbeliever is even a better father than I am. He's a better husband than I am. But yet, God didn't have mercy on him. He had mercy upon you. Or at least at the moment, it doesn't look like God is intending to show mercy upon this man. And you start looking around a little bit and say, it really is nothing. Verse 22 deserves to be my autobiography. It is our autobiography, except for God's mercy and the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we believe in him, it is because God, and this is the only reason, it is because God had mercy upon us. Now, verse 23, from this same lump, God determined to do something else. He determined from this lump of fallen, cursed, condemned, filthy, unworthy sinners to make some vessels of his mercy. He has done this to make known the riches of his glory, the glory of his mercy, the glory of his grace. You know, it is remarkable in these two verses. 
the first one receives all of the tension. I mean, how could God choose some to reprobate them and destroy them? And the objections just keep coming. It's not fair. Well, why even evangelize? And of course, some people just fall back toward us and say, I'm going to believe in this. I'm not going to believe in this. I'll accept universalism before I'll believe this. That, of course, is believing that God saves everyone, universalism. But you know, as I have said about related topics, to me, verse 22 is not very remarkable. 23 is remarkable. I mean, if we look at our own sinfulness, if you looked at yourself in the mirror, now granted, most of us never see ourselves as we really are, and certainly that is the way it is with our physical appearances, but it is truer of our hearts. But if we recognize our own filth before God, if you looked earnestly at your pride and your vanity, if you earnestly thought about the words you say and the attitude of your heart before Almighty God, Are you fearful? Why would you be fearful? Did you know to fear is to spit in God's face? To worry is to spit in God's face. It it is as if to say, Lord, it's too big for you. It's too big for you, so I'm going to worry and take some of it on myself. But if we are honest about our own condition. Verse 22 is not very remarkable. Of course, I deserve God's anger. Of course, I deserve for him to show his power in trouncing my plans to live without him. Of course, I don't deserve for him to be long-suffering. I deserve for him to prepare me for destruction. And that is exactly what I deserve. What we don't deserve is verse 23. That of the lump the Lord would choose to reveal his mercy, his grace, and his glory to those who are so undeserving. Oh, my friends, it is mercy. And it is overwhelming. Nothing called forth God to show mercy to any of us. Nothing. It wasn't, well, you know, Don was pretty good. Katya was pretty good. Joe was pretty good. No, there was nothing. Nothing before God's holiness. Nothing before God's majesty. Everything in me, Gary Wagner, called out for the sword of justice to fall and destroy me. But God delights in mercy. And He is love. And He is kind to those who do not deserve it. So if we have received God's mercy and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, you should be humbled. Especially every time you think of the cross of our Savior. Waves of joy should, in amazement, fill you with joy. Wait a minute. The good shepherd was struck down so that me, the evil sheep, could be saved? You know, God was indicted. God was judged in his son so that we, the criminals, could go free. How is this? What wondrous love is this? The Lord Jesus Christ made intercession for us when there was no one to intercede for our soul. No one. We will see this one day. This is one of the reasons that heaven will go on forever because the wonder of the gospel will increase forever. When we we really see the majesty of God and 
we are here in this earthbound vision, but we are here with these dusty clods called eyes. We can't see anything as it really is. But when we stand before God's majesty and we realize there was nothing I could have said, nothing. I'm not even going to speak when I'm there because there are no deals with God. There's no, well, I'm pretty good. Lord, look at the good part about me, not the bad. There's nothing like that. There is only holiness. And then we see the Son of God looking as if he had been slain. Slain, and that he made intercession for us. And we are covered. We should be humbled that he was condemned in our place. That he obeyed when we would not and could not and did not. And of course, not only his mercy purchased redemption for us, but we have the Holy Spirit so that we can understand his words at least a little bit, grow in grace, have Jesus' life formed in us, So the apostle can say, it is no longer you who live, but it is Christ who lives in you. We have heaven waiting for us. And we don't deserve any of these glories because God has done this all. Notice there at the end of verse 23, he has prepared us for glory. The same idea is at the end of verse 22. God ordained us, prepared us, fitted us us for glory in his mercy and in his grace. And beloved, this is the mercy that sets the angels to singing. It's the mercy that David celebrated in the 23rd Psalm when he said, Surely, goodness and mercy, hesed, God's sworn covenant of love will follow me all the days of my life. Not because I'm good, but because he is faithful to his promises. But, beloved, nothing is as wondrous as God's mercy to sinners. So let me encourage you to sing of mercy, to speak of God's mercy, and to ask yourself, as I have asked myself, have I talked to anyone about God's mercy in Jesus this past week? Do I even know it that well myself? Has it lost its hold on me? No wonder there's no great missionary fervency in this world. Well, some people say, if I believe in this kind of God, then there is no need for evangelistic fervency. And it is pointless. No, 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 no. If you believe in a God who waits for men to save themselves, if you believe in a God who leaves to men's free will the right to choose, then there is no point in evangelism. There is no point because dead men don't make choices. But if you believe in a God who quickens the dead, if you believe in a God, as we'll see in verse 24, who calls men out of their tombs and who uses his word to do so, then there is every reason to know God like he told Paul. Paul was all upset in Corinth. He'd been there a while. No one was being saved. And the Lord said, Paul, stop crying. Go get to work. I have many people in this city. Wait a minute. You do? This is Corinth. This is a pagan city. There are no Christians here. God says, I know who are mine. And they're here. And your words, 
joined with my quickening power, is what will win them. So get to them. I have many people. But do any of us speak with mercy and witness? By the way, verse 24 is interesting in its own right. Even us whom he has called. How did Paul know that the Roman Christians were recipients of God's mercy, which is based on God's eternal counsel? And verse 12, the purpose of God according to election. How did he even know it about himself with such a degree of certainty? I mean, many people throughout history have been deluded. Well, Acts 13.48 may give us a clue. Let's look at that. This is a passage that's often quoted in this context, and I believe it's a very good one. Acts 12.48. Let's start reading in verse 44. And when the next Sabbath came, almost the whole city was together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you, put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of God. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So how could Paul say, even us, including himself in that number? Because when God has chosen a man, a woman, a young person, to be a vessel of his mercy, he always sends his word to them so that they can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, God's decree unto election, unto salvation, is not a cold thing. It is always joined with God's own voice calling men out of darkness and bringing them into his marvelous light. As we see with the Jews, the majority of them may reject it. But God's word will come to his elect, the true children of promise within the nation, and he will deliver them. The Gentiles, like the Romans here, may have been steeped in horrible idolatry and ignorance. But when God's word comes to his elect, it calls them out of darkness and causes them to turn from their idols to serve the living and true God. Please understand, beloved, it is God's calling, as Paul adds in Romans 9, that makes all the difference in the world between men. The only difference is not being an American or an African, being black or white, rich, poor, educated, ignorant. It's none of those things. Those are totally, for the most part, artificial distinctions. What makes men different differ according to Paul. 1 Corinthians 4.7 is the grace of God in the gospel, his calling of men out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we all deserve his judgment, every one of us here. It is a free gift that he has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now those who are vessels of wrath cannot claim that God is unjust because they deserve it. Nor can we boast that we are better than they are because we deserve it as well. God has had mercy on us when we deserved his wrath. And that should shape 
every one of our lives. Get that down. God has shown mercy to me when I deserved his wrath. That should shape my whole life. If you have been a believer your whole life, you ought to be the most thankful, the humblest, the most vocal in speaking mercy to a wretched sinner. God had mercy upon me when I deserved his judgment. And God forbid, Paul said in Galatians, in Galatians, that any of us should boast in anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because every single believer who has ever lived traces the opening of the fountain of God's mercy to Christ and Him crucified. Everything we have has come from Him. Now the wonders of mercy, I admit, I have lost their hold. They have lost their hold on me many times in my life. They've never held me as they should have. And I have, think how easy it is to give in to temptation. But would I really do this if it wasn't even somewhere in the back of my mind remembering his mercy or the price that the Son of God paid for my redemption so that I would receive mercy? Would I have given in to this sin and that sin? Would I be like I am? You don't know, but I'm pretty disgusting. Would I be enticed? by the scientists, by the educators, the politicians of our age? Would I walk with them if I remembered that their rebel voices only reveal God's hardening judgments already at work in them and this world? You know, one of the greatest needs the church has in this hour is for Almighty God to come down to us by His Spirit and preach sovereign mercy to our hearts. But we will never appreciate that unless we embrace God's sovereignty, our fallenness, and that we deserve His wrath. Well, when we do, then sovereign mercy will come like a thunderclap from heaven, and we will be humbled, and we will be changed, and Jesus will be precious to us beyond words. Is He in your life? I can remember many years ago, hearing a sermon of grace and mercy. And after meditating on it on my way home, I was overwhelmed that God would have mercy on me. And many times, the Lord has brought me back. And many times, I've still forgotten. But one of the things that keeps bringing me back is an honest daily assessment of my filth coupled with looking at Jesus. Beloved, if you put those two things together... This week will be different for you. Being honest about your filth, no excuses. Don't blame anything or anyone. It is you. You are filthy. Even if there was no internet, you would be filthy. If there was no scantily dressed girls anywhere, you would be filthy. Lustful men. It's not the world's fault that you are like you are. It is just plain old you. It's just plain old me. If there were no newspapers and constant news feed, you would still be a worrier. It's just you and me. And we've got to be honest. Because unless we are honest about our fallen condition, we will look at Jesus and say, well, oh yeah, yeah, he died on a cross, whatever. Let's move into something new. 
to help me fix my life. Do you know where your life is fixed? It's when you are humbled in the dust before God. That is where your life is fixed. And not with all the problems going away. Remember Job. His life was fixed. Not in chapter 42, but in chapter 39 when God revealed his glory to him. And Job knew he needed to repent in sackcloth and ashes. Cured, but I still have boils. Cured, but no children. Cured, but no cattle. Cured, but no possessions. Cured. Why? He saw the glory of God and his mercy and his sovereignty and his dominion. That cured him. If God gives me all these things back, he said, fine. If he never gives me anything, fine. He has answered me with glory, with mercy, and with sovereignty. We need for him to come today, my friends. Please pray for that. We need for him to come and impress us again with his mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org. And if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.